Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, the leader of One Fargo, Wes Philome, is going to be joining us to share his point of view on what Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney and Fargo Police Chief David Todd talked about in their many media interviews yesterday. Plus, we're going to be talking about his Juneteenth celebration that's happening tomorrow right here in Fargo. So please be sure and stay with us for that. I want to start tonight, though, by saying this. Just a sincere thank you. To all of you that watch the show and our community, thank you for sharing your point of view with us, making your voice heard, because today you, your voice, made a difference in protecting our freedoms. Last night, many of you reached out to the show and told me about Mayor Mahoney issuing an emergency declaration that would deny people, deny people their Second Amendment rights at tomorrow's protest celebration. And we all were kind of going, wait a second, how does a mayor usurp our constitutional rights, our Second Amendment rights? So I reached out to the mayor's office this morning, I think it was, or last night, to get a copy of the emergency declaration. And sure enough, Mayor Mahoney cited a city ordinance that said he's got the power to deny you and I or usurp our Second Amendment rights. I'm going to share just a little bit with you about the first draft, and that's important. The first draft of his emergency declaration basically said this, whereas there is evidence that some protesters intend to carry weapons on their person during said June 19th assembly. So he says he's got evidence of people wanting to carry weapons tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then later in this declaration, it states that he can prohibit the sale, carrying, or possession of weapons on sidewalks and public streets. Well, according to not only the old U.S. Constitution, but also state law prohibits any local subdivision from enacting any ordinance relating to the possession of a firearm. So later today, Mayor Mahoney sent out a revised, a revised or second edition of this emergency declaration that now, here's the good news, abides by our U.S. Constitution and state law to guarantee you your Second Amendment rights. In other words, it is a huge win for freedom in Fargo. Freedom wins in Fargo, all because you chose to speak up and speak out. So kudos to you. Great job. And also a tip of the hat and kudos to Mayor Mahoney for listening and doing the right thing and obviously making the appropriate changes. All right, speaking, speaking of speaking up and speaking out, joining us now on the 702 Communications Line, one of the leaders of the One Fargo uh, group is Wes Philome. Wes, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you with us, sir. I appreciate your time and looking forward to talking about your celebration tomorrow. But I want to start with, just get your take on, you know, I know Mayor Mahoney changed it, but his initial emergency declaration that he was going to usurp your and my Second Amendment rights. Yeah, uh, Chris, um, I, I have to say I was um, really blindsided by the, uh, the declaration. Um, I woke up this morning. Uh, to a text message from Sergeant Christie uh, with the Fargo Police Department. Uh, she gave me a call, uh, asked if she could call. I said, hey, I'll answer my uh, your phone call any day of the week. And so we got on the phone. We started discussing logistics. We gave her a, a detailed uh, plan and route for our march, um, shared logistics. She stated that Fargo PD would have one uh, squad car in the front, one squad car in the back of our march with uh, six of their community engagement officers surrounding um, the uh, the march. 
Uh, I advised her that we had about 20 to 30 people that would uh, have walkie-talkies, vests also around the crowd and inside the crowd, um, and that I wanted to ensure, just as we did with the uh, One Fargo event, everyone's safety, including the community. I made it uh, absolutely clear to her that anyone who would stray or deviate from our, our planned route uh, would be identified as someone who didn't stand for our cause. And uh, she said, are you sure of that? And I told her, I'm absolutely absolutely certain. Uh, this is something that we want to go uh, without a hitch and um, in peace. And we hung up and, you know, I thought, hey, we're off to a great start. They stated they would share water bottles, uh, make sure everyone was hydrated. Uh, it sounded like we were going to have another one Fargo event and we would come together and we would get a later call that uh, pretty much those plans would be scrapped. And I would later find out about the emergency declaration, uh, which was a complete 180 to what uh, the morning went like. Well, and to be fair, the emergency declaration has been out there now for quite some time. He's just extending it. But I, what I want to get at with you, sir, is that he's saying that there's evidence that some protesters intend to carry weapons. Did you know of any evidence? Do you intend to be carrying tomorrow? No information whatsoever. There was an idea of having some uh, concealed carry people placed downtown in front of businesses to ensure the safety of the uh, businesses, uh, but it wouldn't have been anything that would have necessarily been part of the march. We wanted to make sure in our own right to that we could do whatever we could to make sure that uh, property was not destroyed and that our city of Fargo and our downtown uh, community was, was protected. Uh, during this event. So you've talked about, you know, peace, peace, peace. We want this thing to be safe and peaceful. And yet nobody anticipated, you know, three, 4,000 people showing up at the first one on May 30th in Island Park. So how are you gonna self-police this thing tomorrow morning? That, that, that was an obvious learning experience, right? And again, as I kind of stated with you, we have an entire team of people. We have walkie-talkies, we have vests, we have people that won't be identified that'll be in the crowd. Um, I, when I spoke to Sergeant Christie, the plan was to make sure that we had all of their phone numbers and that they had all of ours. And, and I basically told her that if there were any kind of bad actors in the crowd at any point in time, we would basically drag them out and uh, hand them right over to law enforcement without issue. All right, that's good to know. So here's the biggest question I'm getting. Well, there's actually a few from West, but I want to start with this one. So the event took pl takes place on the 30th. Um, you want to make a difference and make a change. So then we plan for this one Fargo event on June 5th. I'm just going to give our audience sort of a timeline, West, and I'll get to my sure. question. But so the week before, or excuse me, a couple of days before the June 5th event, you know, Fargo really opens their arms to you. Fargo PD Chief Todd brings into the, P the police department uh, you open up a, a citywide press conference, uh, have a long time to speak there with some of your colleagues. Then the event goes off on June 5th, which is Friday, and it, it was exemplary. I mean, exemplary for our community, for the nation. And I want to share with you uh, what you posted on June 7th. We can bring this graphic up, please, guys. So this is Sunday, June 7th on Facebook West at 12.12 p.m. And the time is important. I'll explain why in a moment. But you say, I'm just going to give a synopsis here, Fargo. Can I just say how beautiful the one Fargo event was on Friday afternoon? Less than a week after the city descended into chaos with our with over 2,000 people marching and police in riot gear, we all came back together. We disarmed the police. We had them leave their riot gear at home despite over 2,000 people gathering again. Even with credible threats of violence in the air, we laughed, we loved, we cried. But most importantly, we came together. Not a single blade of glass was broken. Not a single rock was thrown. Not a single act of violence. I promise you there's power in that. We show that we can come together and seek change without any negativity. There's some more there about, hey, I want you to join me in prayer. I want to make change. 
So that's Sunday, June 7th at 12:12. Then Monday morning, uh, you apparently call an emergency meeting with the mayor and the Fargo Police Department. As they walk in, you, I'm told, have a recorder and read them their Miranda rights. And then later that morning, you end up making accusations of illegal surveillance and an illegal black op. So if you can, please fill in the gap from, hey, let's come together. We laughed, we loved, we cried at 12:12 on Sunday to 8.30 a.m. Monday morning to now reading the mayor and the chief of police their Miranda rights. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, basically uh, what would occur is later that afternoon, um, I would be able to uh, sit down and meet directly with the former uh, deputy uh, chief, uh, Todd Osmondson. And uh, during this conversation, uh, the former deputy chief would provide me with a precise timeline of what occurred on May 30th, who he communicated with, at what times he communicated with them, um, and, and pretty much painted a, a picture that was contradictory to what we had been told by the media as well as uh, you know, by the uh, um, Fargo PD while we were at the station uh, planning the uh, One Fargo event. Um, so I, I, I got on the phone with Mayor Mahoney uh, that evening and I said, hey, Mayor, um, I spoke with uh, the former deputy chief today. Uh, he had some really compelling things to say. Um, I'd like to meet at the police station um, in the morning and kind of go over these things to make sure we can pour some water on this so we know that it's just smoke and there's not fire. And so the next morning, the meeting that I was hoping to have at the police station uh, doesn't occur there. It occurs at the mayor's office. And so that struck uh, me as strange. And so at that time, I did feel it was necessary to make sure that I could document what was going on. And I sat down with the mayor and the uh, chief and I asked very direct questions um, and uh, I got indirect answers. They weren't very concrete. But what I could tell you is uh, Chief Todd himself advised that he uh, did indeed, in fact, receive intel from uh, Deputy Chief Osmondson or the former deputy chief approximately around 8, 830 when they started tear gassing. He admitted to that. And uh, that was contradictory to what he had said previously. And so, so um, at that point, I felt that's where trust started teetering, along with the fact that uh, mm -hmm. Mayor Mahoney did not see really seem interested in figuring out why these statements didn't align. Uh, Mayor Mahoney basically said that if we uh, pursued um, the, the truth of what happened on May 30th, it, 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 there's no way we could have progress in the same breath. Right. Now, keep in mind, Chris, uh, that this earlier this afternoon, I did share a direct full six-minute uh, recording with Valley News Live as well. Um, so I, I haven't seen any of that posted from you guys, and I'm hoping that you guys share that with uh, the community at large because they really need to hear what's going on in these rooms. I shouldn't be a privilege to where I have this information and other people don't. Well, I'll be frank with you, man. It was it was more. I mean, I don't. And I know you're from Miami, so maybe that strategy works in Miami. But you sounded very confrontational in that meeting. 